Good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing this morning? Oh, good. I'm glad that you're doing good. That's good that you're doing good. I'm glad that y'all are all excited to be here this morning. Nine o'clock. Come on, let's give nine o'clock a hand. Nine o'clock in the house. Awesome, awesome. And um, so today, uh, I want to say before we get started, thanks for all the birthday cards and Facebook and whatever else and it was all the gifts and I even got gifts this morning. It's so great. I've enjoyed my birthday week and um, um, you know it's been a great great time and uh, so I just want to thank everybody and if I didn't uh, hit you back on Facebook I'm sorry I tried to get everybody back and but if I didn't get you it wasn't because I didn't mean to it's just because I couldn't get everybody because I'm slow like that but um I do appreciate it so much, and it made me feel so great, and I had a great week. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and I appreciate and love every person in this house so much. Um, today, we're going to be wrapping up <clears throat> our series, and, um, and I have enjoyed uh, this series, and it has spoken to my heart. Um, I think that every message that I've preached this series has been for me as well as for you. And um, so I want to kind of just do an overview or overcap of what we uh, had talked about this month. And so, number one, we were speaking about living in a place of peace in a crazy, crazy world. And I, I think it's so important that we do that, that we carry peace inside of us. And Second Thessalonians uh, 3.16 says, Now, my Lord, uh, now may the Lord himself, the Lord of peace, pour into you his peace in every circumstance and in every possible way. I really want that to be a, my heart, that the Lord of peace would just pour out, just, just pour out his peace into my life and so that I could pour out into other people's life. And um, I, I'm kind of an intense guy. I, I've lived my life pretty intense. And um, I, I find, though, that when you learn to walk in peace, that you can resolve a lot of things in your life without having to work for it. Just not having to work for it, but just allowing God's peace to be poured into your life and so that his peace can be poured out. And then number two, talked about a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And you know, the scripture tells us we can't serve two masters. We gotta live in one world or the other. It's so important that we're all in and that we make a decision that I'm gonna live for God. I'm going to live for God. And, and this living for God thing is not uh, doing something because the Lord has our arm tied behind our back and we're in a full Nelson or a headlock and he's requiring all these things from us. Living for God is the essence of walking in peace. And when we live for God and we have this relationship with God, it just really settles a lot of things in my life. And I have to be single focused in my walk with God. How many in here can say you've been distracted in your walk with God before? Come on. All right. Okay, let me ask this question again because we need One of our issues was not a, about lying. It was about hearing lying. <laughs> and so, but, but how many has been distracted in your walk with God? All right, that's better, a little better. And is our distraction in our walk with God, we start fumbling around in the darkness and we kind of get off center and, we, and, and then we realize, well, wait a minute, I just need to come into alignment. 
I just, I, I let my mind drift over here. I've become double-minded in some of my thinking. I let my, I let my mind be divided. And so I bring my focus back in and I say, Lord, I'm just going to be centered and I'm going to be all in and I'm going to be focused upon you and bring everything into captivity and so that I can be single-minded and knowing the heart of God. And number three, a transformed mind. Romans 12, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Let your mind be renewed by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's so important that we understand the work of the Holy Spirit in our life is so much more than the initial infilling of the Holy Spirit. But the, Jesus himself said that the Holy Spirit is the teacher, and I must go away that the teacher could come so they could instruct you in greater things. It's the Holy Spirit that renews our mind. Paul said, I die daily. What is he dying? You th he's dying out to this flesh, and he's allowing the Holy Spirit to lead him, to guide him, to speak to him. It renews his thoughts and renews his mind. Amen. And number four, we talked about core values. Core values. And if you didn't get our, wasn't here for our core values message, you should pick up the little card. I think there's still some out in the foyer. If not, we'll get you some on our core values of our house. But not just the core values of our house, but your personal core values. What are my core values? What do I believe in? What do I, how do I walk out this life? You know, oftentimes, we don't, if we don't have core values, then we're not going to have the principles to guide us. And I use the illustration about, you know, driving offensively, where we know when we get to the intersection which way we're going to go. We already have made a decision. Oftentimes, we don't make the decision or we get in a crisis and we're trying to make a decision then, and it's too late to make the decision then. But when we have core values that we already are our guide and we already know what our decision is going to be when we face a situation because it's a core value of ours. So we're going to love people when we have the opportunity to not love people because it's a core value. Are you with me this morning? When people offend us and they do us wrong or there's all kinds of chaos around us and we have an opportunity to be offended, we choose not to be offended because we have a core value of love. And that core value of love forgives people. Can I get a better amen? That's just one little, uh, uh, little picture there for you. And then, and then we talked about last week winning the battlefield of the mind, winning the battlefield of the mind, bringing every single thought into captivity. Listen, our, our mind is such a powerful thing. It's such a powerful thing. And the enemy knows that if he, can, if he can get in our head, then he can get in our heart, he can get in our life, he can get in all kinds of places in us. But if we keep our mind in the right place and we win the battlefield of the mind, then we already won most of the battle. Can I get a better amen? Can I get a better amen? So it's so important that we understand that. Now, this week is our last week, and I'm going to talk on a play. I'm going to be talking about a thing that's kind of funny because every time I say this, I kind of laugh at myself. Do you ever laugh at yourself? I laugh at myself because I'm going to talk about something that, that we think about oftentimes in the nat natural, which you should do in the natural, but I'm really talking about in a spiritual place. So I'm going to be talking about today living from a place of rest, now, I have to be the first to tell you that I'm not much of a sleeper, and I need to do better than that. And one of my goals for this 55-year-old dude is that I'm going to learn how to rest. 
I'm going to learn how to chill a little more. Just sit back and just take it easy and learn how to rest in the natural. I, I need to learn how to rest. I need to learn how to let it go and rest and take some time where I can just breathe. Oftentimes when I'm sitting and trying to just take a little rest, you know what happens? My mind, I'm, my, my, my body is sitting down, but my mind is going 100 miles an hour. Or even when I lay down to sleep, at 2 o'clock this morning, I woke up and my mind was wide open. And I, I went to bed last night saying, okay, I have to have rest because I went to bed very, not feeling very well. I wasn't even sure that I was going to be able to speak this morning, just sinus drainage and all kinds of stuff. And so I took a bunch of oils and I took some, you know, inner defense and I took on some, and then I laid my hands on my head and I prayed. And then I said, Lord, you know, this body belongs to you. And if it's sick, that's your problem. So fix it, Lord. All of those things. And then at 2 o'clock in the morning, I woke up straight up in the bed, thinking about a gazillion things that didn't really matter. Interfering with my rest. Interfering with my rest. Let me tell you something. The Lord wants us to live in a place of rest, not just physically, but spiritually. That we have to come to this place where we can give it up, surrender it, and trust the Lord with it. Say, that's a good word right there. We could just go home right there, right? So when we talk about spiritual warfare, the first image that we have in our mind is clanking swords and fire and smoke and, you know, war this war but can i tell you that jesus has already won the battle it's already won you're saying pastor you don't believe in spiritual warfare and you don't go through spiritual well yeah i do i do and i believe that but the way i win the battle is through rest it's through knowing that he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And that I can rest in the idea or the purpose of God that he's already won the battle. He's already won the battle. I started off last week talking about David going to war with the giant. He had confidence that he was going to win because he had already won the battle in the field. He learned how to walk in this place of rest. And so today I'm going to talk about Ephesians 10. And we started, we ended with this last week, and I want to carry on from there. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be spiritually infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing through you. Don't miss that. Stand complete in knowing that his power is flowing through you. I don't have to do this on my own. I don't have, when I was a, when I was a very young guy, I was kind of a little guy. I, I've, always, I've not been real tall. I always had this little complex because my brother's tall, my cousins were all tall, and I always wanted to be tall, but I was the littlest guy among us. I was just the kind of the short dude. And so I had a little complex, and so I would fight people. I, I fought all the time. 
and I would fight people and get beat up all the time. You know, I would find a John Wonder Jim in my life and call him out because I needed to prove something. So I was fighting at school. I'd get sent home from school. I got older. I got dumber. I'd go to bars, and I would knock the biggest guy in the bar off the stool only to get beat up. And I was always trying to fight and prove something. You know, sometimes we're always trying to prove something that's already been proven. Yeah, we're always trying to, like, look look how good a Christian I am. I'm going to fight th- these battles. I had a friend of mine who was, I went to his office one, one week, and he, he, he was telling me about these demons that came into his office, and they, they, they tore up havoc in his office. And I was like, bro, you need to quit calling them demons in your office, man. You ain't got anything. Y'all are all getting queer like it's getting weird. <laughs> You know, uh, you don't need to be, why, why do you want to call some devil out of Africa to fight some devil out of Africa? Just leave that devil in Africa. I don't have anything to prove. God has already fought my battles for me. Listen, the Bible says no weapon. Everybody say no weapon. Formed against us shall prosper. You don't have anything to prove. You can live in rest. I want the devil to say, Jesus I know, and Marvin I know. I want the devil to tremble when I walk into his presence because he knows that I know who my deliverer is. Not because he's afraid of me. The devil's not afraid of Marvin. The devil's afraid of Christ in me. And I can rest in that. Amen. Somebody said that's a good word. <laughs> Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us. Again, it's provided for us. We don't have to. It's already, it's already ours. So you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. We often make the mistake when we go into battle and we get our eyes on people and situations, and when we do that, that's a sure way to lose. Every spiritual battle that I go into, if I try to find someone to blame, I'm missing it. I'm missing the whole deal. So oftentimes, even in our relationships with our spouses, we, the enemy tries to come in and bring division among us, and we start throwing darts, and we start you know, finding this accusation against our husband or our wife or our kids, and the enemy just sitting back and laughing because we are missing it. One of the hardest lessons I've ever had to learn it was taught to me by uh, the administrator at our school when I was in my home church. His name's Craig Martin. He always talked to me about giving up and surrendering my rights. Remember I just told you I was the little guy that I always wanted to prove something? 
And so I, I didn't want to give up my rights. I was always felt like I had something to prove. And look, I, this is my right. And when I am right, I'm not going to give up my right, and I'm going to go to war for my rights. And he would always tell me this, and it always aggravated me. You have to surrender your rights. Give it up. You belong to Christ. Let the Lord fight your battle. Well, I don't want the Lord to fight my battle. I want to do it myself, and I want to prove something. Let me tell you something. I guarantee you that every time that you go into battle to prove something in that nature, you're going to lose. There's no winning. There's nothing to win by proving you're right. And so we have this thing that we get distracted and we go looking at people and situations and things. And that becomes our focus instead of focusing on the principalities and powers that are trying to come in and to bring division in our life. The scripture says this, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But if we fall prey to his devices and we start looking at the wrong direction, and we, and we lose our trust in God and the things that he's provided for us, then we will definitely lose the battle. So sometimes we have to resist the devil. Resist the devil. Re everybody just say, resist the devil. And, and when I say this today, I'm, I, just, I just love people that have the ability to ignore things. You ever been around that person that can just like, they don't even hear you talking. You're just, you're trying to prove your point, and they're just like, whatever. See, see, that's not my nature. My nature is if you want to fight with me, you better come with all you got. That's my nature. But God's nature... I want to take on his nature, and, and it's sometimes to resist the devil. What do we do to resist the devil? Sometimes we don't engage, we just ignore. When he's sowing discord and bringing accusations and all those things, it, we just learn how to ignore the devil, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. We just ignore this opposition. Because what he's trying to do is trying to get your distraction, get you distracted instead of looking at God's already fought my battle. God's already prepared me. I have the armor of God. I'm already in the winning position. He's trying to get us distracted so that we look over here and we get our eyes on something that's not even the battle. And he draws us into a war that's already been won. Are y'all with me this morning? And so it's so important that we learn how to fight our battles and how to understand that we have already won, and so what we carry is the very presence of God in our life. And so, for their, so the scripture goes on to say, for their powerful class of demons, gods, and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. But we have authority over every principality. We have authority. In the name of Jesus, we take authority. This morning, I had David praying over me, and David was praying over me, and he said, the authority that's in me and the authority that's in pastor, we command the sickness to go. I want you to, I want you to say to yourself today, I have authority. The biggest thing the enemy wants to distract us with is that, we are, that we're losers and we don't have authority. 
And we're trying to battle this battle in this fleshly manner and trying to win a war that's already been won. If we learn how to walk in the authority that God has given us and who we are, the enemy will run from us rather than us running from the enemy. So we carry this anointing on us. We carry this peace on us. We carry the kingdom in us. And the enemy is afraid of us. We have authority. We've been sealed with the promise. I'm carrying this authority. I have the seal of approval, and the enemy knows that I'm armed and I'm dangerous. 13. Because of this, you must wear the armor of God provides so that you're protected as you confront the slanders, for you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. I'm destined for purpose, and I'm going to rise victorious. Now, I may be in the middle of the battle right now, and it may not look good, but I'm coming out, and it's going to look really good. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I want you to pay attention to this right here. Every battle that I've ever been in that I surrendered myself to the will and the purpose of God, I come out looking great on. I really did. Like David, he went in to fight the giant. He knew he knew for sure that he was going to win. Right. He wasn't all worried and nervous about that fight because he had already, it was already a predetermined destiny for his life. And he went in victorious, and he won victoriously. There's a little story I want to share with you this morning. There was some, uh, two young ladies, or several young ladies, but two particular ladies that were that were uh, molested, and uh, one of them was, a sister was actually killed uh, by a high school football player years ago. And uh, he was finally prosecuted and brought to judgment. And uh, he, after being prosecuted and brought to judgment, he would come up for parole. Well, every time he would come up for parole, these two young, these two ladies had made it their business to make sure that every time he come up for, for parole, they had more stuff on him and that he would stay locked up forever. And when they did this interview with these two ladies, the interview was actually about how they continued to win this battle and kept him locked up. But when they interviewed the kids, you could read between the line, the children of these ladies, They had lost their mothers to a battle. They had lost their families to a battle that they should have some point, somewhere along the way, had said, look, we're going to give this into the hands of God. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and I will repay. So that's what happens oftentimes. It may not be that drastic. It may be less than that. But the enemy gets our mind on making sure that we get vengeance or we get our way or we get our right. And he distracts us. And that prison, that prisoner that was in prison was not nearly in the prison that these two ladies were in. They were in a greater prison than him. They had locked themselves into this, this prison of vengeance and prison of 
consumed by revenge. Oftentimes, the enemy gets us all sidetracked with things and gets us locked into these things and we don't really realize what we're destined to do. We're already destined to come out victorious. We're, we're, we're not going to be a winner. We are winners. We are winners. Amen. Ephesians 13 in the ESV says it this way. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having all done all, stand. Hey, come on. I want you to hear me this morning. Sometimes you just got to come to the place and say, you know what? Having done all, I'm just going to stand. I'm going to stand firmly on the promises of God. I'm going to stand firmly in the confidence of God. I'm going to stand and see the salvation of God. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. So that word destined there in the, in the Webster Dictionary says, ordained, appointed, and predetermined. <laughs> come on I'm ordained I'm appointed and I'm predetermined I have this direction that God has for my life and I am not going to let this mess around me mess up God's plans for my life I have been called I have purpose the scripture goes on to say put on the tr on truth as the belt of strength that you stand triumph, but truth holds us all together. When everything else fails, truth will hold everything together. I'm going to live in truth. I'm going to live in the purpose of God. Put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. Holiness and righteousness is our covering. Can I talk to you today just a little bit about that? Can I talk to you about holiness, having Christ in us, having the purpose of God in us? Look, I'm going to be the first one to tell you, and I just, you know, I'm as vulnerable as I can be. I'm going to be the first to tell you that I'm not always doing the right thing. But I'm thankful that I have Christ in me who brings my, me back to center. And it's the holiness of Christ in me. It's the purpose of Christ. So, so many times we think holiness is being perfect. I'm glad holiness is not being perfect, or I would just tell you I couldn't do it. But holiness is Christ in me. Righteousness, doing the right thing, being righteous and upright before God is not the rules and the regulations, but having a right heart toward God. And when I have a right heart toward God and a right purpose to God, he brings me into alignment. It's his righteousness, not mine. My righteousness is terrible. My righteousness, my good behavior pattern on my own strength is terrible. But his righteousness in me brings me into his perfection. And his perfection is my covering. That's how I fight my battles. I just trust God that this old knucklehead's going to be all right in the end. Because you know why? My eyes are set upon him. My heart is set upon him. My heart is fixed upon him. And when I do the wrong thing, his righteousness and his love draws me into a place of repentance. It brings me in right standing. And I go on winning the battle. 
Oh, you got to hear me this morning. I used to always try to do all the rules. Listen, I am the worst rule follower on earth. Ain't that true, Mimi? I'm a bad rule follower. She was my school teacher. She knows. My mother-in-law. I just don't like rules. I just think, I, I, I read, I just listened to a TED talk yesterday that was so good about making rules. You know, we just make all these rules up, and we have one person that's a knucklehead, so we make a rule for everybody yes. trying to fix one dummy. <laughs> and then everybody's having to fall into this rule because you just got one slacker over here. I'm glad God's not the God of make me do rules. But he's the God of love. He's the God of peace. He's the God of joy. He's the God of purpose. And when I walk with him, righteousness in my life and his correction comes and his correction leads me to repentance, which brings me to more of him. What a great learning experience. What a great way to learn that, how, that, that the, the way I get more of him is just to walk in his peace. Right. Are y'all with me this morning? So before, I would like always break the rules, man. I was the worst rule follower ever, Carter. I stunk at following the rules, man. Yeah, shame on me. I carried a lot of that back in those days. Shame on me. I was cloaked with it. That's a good message right there, Carter. Shame on me. I carried shame around everywhere I went. I was so bad. And then I learned, you know what? God loves me when I'm broken. And he, he loves me so much that his correction for me is so gentle that I can handle it. I told my wife when we first got married and we were talking about raising kids. I think it's important when you get married, probably before you get married, but it's definitely after you get married and you're having babies, you need to kind of come into some agreement on how you're going to raise your kids. It's kind of a cool plan. And I said, listen, let's don't create rules that are not essential. Because for every rule we create, we have to police. I just don't want to live my life as a cop. Always policing the rules. But what we teach our kids is there's circumstances to your decision. There's, there, there's, there's effects and to your, there's, there's consequences to your decisions. You know what the greatest teacher is? Consequences. You know what the greatest problem with Christians is? Is that we try to get around the consequences I'm, I'm about to wade off into something. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and do it. <laughs> Listen, grace is a teacher. 
And when we learn what grace is really about, grace shows up in our life when we crash land and it picks us up. Grace does not always keep you from crash landing, though. For that that you sow, so shall you reap. What grace does, it comes in and says, okay, you learned something here. I'm going to put you back where you belong, but don't do that again. <laughs> and then there's people that are like me. I know nobody in this church is like me. I'm just going to use myself. There's some hard-headed people. We have to crash more than once, right? That's when grace comes in and picks us up and puts us back together again. But at some point along the way, grace needs to be our teacher. And when I understand the grace of God where he picks me up, that grace and that love of God should show me. It should be my teacher, and I should say, you know what? I'm marking that place. That's a dangerous place right there. That's right. Can I give you an example of that so you'll understand what I'm saying? I got very bitter once in my life. I had been done wrong, by the way, quite frankly. In the court of law, I would have won because I was right. And I'm not saying that arrogantly. I was right. I had been done wrong. But in the midst of trying to, I, I, I allowed my right to be, become offensive, bitter, messed up. And that bitterness become my ruler. It ruled my life. Why don't you listen to me this morning? That bitterness became my Every thought pattern, every thought that I had went through the paradigm of that bitterness. Right. And let me tell you how ugly that came out. Go <laughs> it was ugly. And so what happened is the very thing I've been preaching about the last 15 minutes is my eyes got set on people. Right. <laughs> and I started saying, you know, bless God. They treat me like that. I just quit. I ain't going to be in the ministry. Matter of fact, it got to the place after a few weeks of not going to be in the ministry that I said, I'm not even going to church some more. Because everybody at church, all the preachers, come on, you start using everybody and all you know you're in trouble. Because everybody, <laughs> everybody is against me. And everybody's a hypocrite. And I'm righteous. Because I'm right. I don't have time to tell you the path of destruction that that led down. I can just tell you that grace picked me up. And when grace picked me up, you know what I said? I will never be bitter again. Because I learned there was some destruction in my bitterness that was terrible. And it had consequences that were terrible. Now, you're saying, Pastor, you've never been bitter since then? Oh, yeah, I've had a little bitterness rise up. And I went, uh-oh, mm-mm, no. No, sir. I done learned that lesson. I forgive them even when they're, they're wrong. 
This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my Let me tell you something. When you learn grace, you learn the goodness of God. Grace will always pick you up. That's a good word. So stand alert. Stand you on your feet alert. Always be ready to share the blessings of peace. Give it out. Be distributors of peace. This peace I leave with you, this peace I give, not as the world gives. Oh, you know what? He gave it to me to give away. Every battle, worship team, you can come. Every battle, take faith as your weapon, your wraparound shield, for it, it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. Wrap faith around you. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Wrap faith around you. It's our, it's, it's our shield against the enemy. We stand knowing that God is faithful. David said this. He said, some men trust in chariots and some trust in horses. But guess what? I trust in God. My faith is in God. My trust is in the hope of God. Paul talked about being shipwrecked and all the things that happened. But I still trust in you, God. You're my help. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect the thoughts, your lie, the lies of the enemy. Put on the helmet. You know the helmet? You wear that helmet and you, the enemy can't attack your mind. Every thought that comes bounces off. It's the helmet of salvation. And take the mighty razor sword, sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God of the spoken word of God I found something interesting in my study of this passage of scripture it's not just talking about the word the scripture says we're overcomers by the word of our testimony By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. It's knowing who we are in Christ. It's taking the word of God, but it's also taking the express word of God. That every day that I walk in, that I'm just the word. I always tell people, I'm not very good at this. I'm not very good at quoting a scripture and telling you the address and, you know, number, chapter, verse, all that. I'm not, that's not my... But it's amazing to me when you live your life in the word and the enemy comes out against you, all of a sudden, you spit the word back out at him. Or if there's an attack of the enemy coming against you and then this word of no, I know who I am in Christ. My testimony becomes my defense. (laughs) You can't tell me that God's not a miracle worker because I was a $500 a day drug user out of my mind. And the Lord heal me. So don't, you, there ain't no way you can tell me that this don't work. I have a word. It's my testimony. It works. 
I could go through all kinds of things of deliverance that God's delivered me out of. It works. I'm standing on this word, this promise of God, so the enemy's actually afraid of me. And then I close with this. Pray passionately in the Spirit. Consistently interceding with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God upon all his believers. You're there where this place of rest comes. It comes out of the secret place. Lord, I just lay in your lap. I rest in your goodness. There's something powerful about the secret place that we don't talk about it tremendous amount is that when we go into our secret place with God I've learned over the last few years that most of my prayer life is not talking but it's listening I used to think that praying was well I kind of was raised up like that to be honest with you his praying was as we go into battle prayer. Oh, God, I'm just praying for deliverance today. I'm praying for a mighty move of God. I'm praying for you to come, Lord. I'm praying for you to do this. I'm praying for you to do that. Oh, God, I'm just, wow, come on, I'm bringing the prayer. You don't realize I'm really doing a lot of times when I'm doing that. I'm just shadow boxing. I hope I hit something. I hope the devil just comes by while I'm in a wild swing and I'll knock his head off. <laughs> I heard somebody pray like this one time, so let me try it. <laughs> Let's laugh a little bit. I used to go, go to the prayer room in my home church years ago. And there was a lady that prayed, and she prayed so loud. And listen, you better not ever confess your sin to her because she prayed in the prayer room, Lord, help Johnny. You know, God, he's full of the devil. <laughs> and I'd be like, wow, Lord, if I ever do something wrong, you're going to be the last person I ask to pray for me because the whole church knows. If you're wondering what was going on in church, just go to Sunday morning prayer. <laughs> Laugh a little bit. It's okay. But he said, pray, learn how to pray in every way. And, and, and some of our prayer needs to be, sometimes we just pray in the spirit. And we're talking about that in the coming series, just praying in the spirit and learn how to pray in the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to tell you the greatest way to win the battle is to listen. Because prayer is, is this amazing monologue with you and God. And you get in a secret place with God and you begin to listen to what God is saying. You know what he does? He starts saying, turn right and go left and go straight and sit, be still, wait. Isn't that powerful? I said this earlier in our in our series is that I believe in inner healing and I believe in, in, in counseling and I believe in all of those things and we do that here and we believe in it but you know what sometimes you need 
I'm not in a hurry, God. Just speak to me, Lord. I'm resting, God. That feels pretty good. I might go to sleep right here. I'm just resting, God. Several years ago, Jonathan Suber and I met here at the church. We was going to lock in and pray for a week. I brought some twin mattresses up here, and we were just going to stay here and just pray and just live here for a week. And every time I started to pray, the Lord would say, shh. I was like, I kind of got aggravated with God. I ain't going to lie to you. I, I, I would start saying, Jesus, he's like, be quiet. Lord, I'm just, shh. God, shh. And for a week, I just kind of sit here. And the Lord said, I want you to learn to listen. But I got some things I want to say because I'm a talker, God. You made me this way. I'd like to talk a lot. He's like, you need to shut up and listen. I learned more from that week of prayer, and I probably didn't say more than, I don't know, 100 words the whole week long. I just wrote down a lot of stuff. And I slept a lot. To be honest with you, I, I just lay down and go to sleep. Just sleep. I'd wake up in the presence of God. And, there, and even in that first part of that, I feel like, I feel like, well, man, I might as well go home and go to bed. I'm fasting. I'm starving to death up here and, and praying. And all I'm doing is sleeping. And God was saying, learn to rest in me. Just be quiet. Let me fight your battle. I've already won. Can y'all close with that song that y'all, the last song you sang? Is that what y'all doing? Can I change whatever you were doing to the last song that you did? <laughs> On the set list. I just want to be where you are, Lord. I just want to be near your heart. I just want to get in your presence, God. I think somebody told me this week they were a little disappointed because they were thinking about spiritual warfare. What really kind of what they were expecting. Because so oftentimes when we hear about spiritual warfare, we start thinking about bombs and guns clashing of swords but I think the Lord wants to just settle some the score and just rest in him well why do we need the whole armor he's armed us it's his armor it's his provision he's put on us and we just get to stand and know that the battle's already won I know I'm going to get some emails this week, but there's times we've got to fight. The Bible says the violent take it by force. I realize that. But I'm going to tell you, most of the battle is just waiting. Let's stand.